You're listening up your game, a podcast all about sports. I'm Travis Harrison, joined once again by Derek Harrison and Ben Weir. Guys, how we feeling after those first two exciting rounds of basketball? Feeling good. Amazing. (laughs) Well, my bracket isn't feeling so great, but I'm feeling pumped. (laughs) Derek, I made this comment to Ben the other day, but March Madness truly never disappoints. I mean, we have boring Super Bowls, snoozer NBA Finals. You obviously don't have to look far to look back at the College Football National Championship from this last year, which was an absolute bore. And then last season, it was the two semifinal games in the playoff that were awful. That just doesn't happen with March Madness. Even the games that shouldn't be close or you would expect a blowout, they end up being very entertaining and sometimes shocking, as we saw a few days ago. Yeah, I agree. That's one thing that just makes this this time of the year just just so great. It's just because you never know what could happen because all it takes is one. Just for one team to be on that night and catch a team who's off. So that's just, you know, that's just one of the great things about this time of the year. We're going to take some time now and highlight several of the games from round one and two of the tournament. Starting up in the South region, the 8-9 game between West Virginia and Maryland did not disappoint as it was back and forth pretty much the entire game with the Terps squeaking it out by 267-65. Yeah, I mean, my bracket was already done after uh, one game. <laughs> no, it was a good game. I mean, I, I did expect West Virginia to, to take it, but Maryland, the hats, hats off to them. I mean, played played well in the second half, kind of came down to the wire there, like you saw. Um, but no, great, great, great first game, honestly, to open up the tournament. San Diego State ended up not being a typical statistic in that 5-12 matchup that a lot of times sees the 12 seed upsetting the 5, which was not the case in this one. It was a six-point win for San Diego State, but the score wasn't as close as the result made it seem. Derek, I was a little disappointed and really was expecting more out of Charleston. Yeah, I was too. You know, I uh, I thought it was going to be, um, obviously this was a game that I had on the kind of the alerts for a potential upset, but yeah, I was a little disappointed in Charleston. I thought they uh, they were going to have a little bit better umph on offense and just seemed like they just couldn't really get anything going. Well, in one of the craziest endings you will ever see to a game, number four, Virginia had the ball up two, trying desperately to hang on against number 13, Furman. In a complete desperation attempt to get out of trouble, the Virginia player heaved the ball down the court, but it unfortunately fell into the hands of a Furman player who calmly took it across half court, stepped up to the three-point line, and buried the game winner, giving Furman a 68-67 win. Ben, I know the guy who threw the pass has taken a lot of blame for this, and rightfully so. But how about his other four teammates who just stood around and did nothing, didn't come to the ball or anything, and didn't give him anybody to pass to? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about it on that side of things, but I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, he, he literally had nowhere to go with the ball. Uh, I I mean, I remember when we played back in the day, I feel like an, an option you might have is maybe throwing the ball off the guy's leg or something like that. I mean, he was close to the corner or that could have been maybe something better than him just chucking the ball up in the air. And that's a senior. So like, it was just really surprising to see him make that kind of a bonehead decision. But I mean, you're to your point, you are right. I mean, I didn't feel like anybody else was trying to help him in any way, but just terrible way to lose um, first round. Yeah. Well, the shocker of the South region and one of the bigger shockers, probably the biggest shocker, the entire tournament was number 15, Princeton knocking off number two, Arizona 59, 55. I think I was most impressed with the Tigers' defensive effort and only surrendering 55 points. Derek, we mentioned in last week's episode how cool it would be for Princeton to win this game in honor of Papa, but we just didn't really see it actually happening. What was your reaction seeing that dream become a reality? 
Yeah, that was one of those things that was just like, man, this is this is absolutely insane. And I, and I know we're going to get to the next round, but just seeing what they've been doing since that game is it's just amazing. And it's crazy because until 2021, only one 15th seed had ever won or gone to the Sweet 16. Now it's happened three straight years in a row, which is crazy. So it just goes to show, man, you know, they, they were talking with Tom Mizzo earlier about it, it's almost like in March Madness, the seeds at the end of the day don't really matter. And it almost seems like more and more in recent years, that's kind of becoming the case. But yeah, Princeton is playing amazing. And honestly, I would love to see them just keep on going. I'm cheering for them. Yeah, well, like you said, Princeton wasn't done dancing as they took on a very tough number seven Missouri team in the second round and shot them right out of the gym, winning 78-63, giving them a place in the Sweet 16. Ben, not only another great defensive performance holding Mizzou to 63, Princeton showed they can also get it done on the offensive side of the ball and put up some points. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was Missouri to me was a dark horse team. The SEC has been great all year, and, and Missouri has been coming up and up and coming basically at the end of the year. So, like, it's really surprising. I thought this would be a lot closer, but Princeton blew them out of the gym the first half, second half. I mean, it just took over. I mean, this was, I know it's 15, but it was a lot worse than that, I felt like. But it's, it's just fun to see them dancing, man. I hope they can make it to the Final Four. I, I'm I'm totally fine with you guys about cheering for them. Like, I am all about Princeton. And they got a good shot. I mean, they're playing Creighton next. So, I, I would love to see it. Yeah, the best thing was they just kept hitting three after three and after, I don't know what, yeah. what number one it was, but they hit a deep one and the coach, you, they show him on the sidelines and he just kind of turns away and smiles, you know, and just kind of shakes his head like he was in disbelief. And so that was really cool, you know, just to, just to see that. So, yeah, the little Ivy League school there, that, that, was, that was definitely exciting to see. And, yeah, hopefully they can just keep riding that momentum. Well, moving down to the East region and what was the biggest shocker of the tournament, number one, Purdue who many had going far in the tourney and even several had winning it all, got upset by number 16 FDU, 63-58. This was only the second time ever in the history of March Madness that a 16 seed beat a number one seed. Truthfully, I didn't know if I'd ever actually see this in my lifetime, and now it's happened twice just in the last few years. Ben, this was embarrassing for the Boilermakers on many accounts, so please share your thoughts. Oh, yeah. Um, So I was just, on my phone that one day where I texted you, Travis, I could not believe this. Um, and, uh, Derek, if you know this, I'm, that's, that's awesome. But like, I saw that fairly Dickinson actually did not win their conference tournament. They were not supposed to be there. Mary Mac won their conference tournament. And I guess Mary Mac was a D two or school or something like that. So they were still on like that probation period. So fairly Dickinson got the automatic bid to go from there. And then they just literally shocked the world and beat Purdue. <laughs> I'm just like, what in the world is going on? I mean, they, I think his name is Edie. I think that's how you say it, but they, they locked him down like nobody's business. I mean, they had a great game plan to double team him when he got the ball and they were quick to that. And I just, it was phenomenal to watch. And something else with Purdue that's like, I saw, I saw this stat that really surprised me. The last three tournaments, the last three years, Purdue has lost down to a 16th seed, a 15th seed and a 13th seed. So clearly, they got no idea. It doesn't matter what the season, how good or bad of a season they have. They struggle against those double-digit seeds. So next next year, hopefully they go against like an eight or nine seed because <laughs> if you're ten or above, they're gonna you know you got a good chance against them. <laughs> well, the coin flip game in that region between number eight Memphis and number nine FAU came right down to the wire with FAU scoring a go-ahead basket with a couple seconds left to play to win it, sixty-six sixty-five. 
Ben, that play call was absolutely perfect. I was just about to say, I mean, it got the ball a couple, a couple seconds left, uh, driving the baseline there. It was, oh my gosh, you couldn't have called any, any better finger, finger roll to the basket. It's just, oh my gosh, it was such a great game. Hate for Memphis to lose that way, but it was, it's Mark, it's Mark's madness. What it's all about. Yeah. Penny Hardaway was pretty upset afterwards. He chucked his water bottle at the buzzer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh gosh. Well, Derek, go green. Go green, baby. Yeah, that go was green, uh, go white. Michigan State Spartans yeah. had a solid win, 72-62 over USC. Derek, there's been some years where Michigan State disappoints in the first round, but thankfully this was not one of them. Yeah, I got I got to give it up to the Spartans. I mean, they're they're playing good right now. They uh and kind of like we talked about last week, coming into the tournament, like they're definitely clicking at the right time. They just have to lay that, you know, that off performance in the Big 10 tournament. But they're starting to click, you know, they're starting to have, you know, a good all around game. I mean, so far they're playing pretty good defense, shutting down teams. And then again, they're capitalizing. So huge shout out to, you know, huge shout out to, uh, you know, the good old Sparty there. And uh, honestly, it would be a really cool story about everything that happened this year on campus. If they have a nice deep run in the, you know, obviously in the tournament, that'd be just one of those cool, almost like a 30 for 30 kind of story. So obviously they're my team. I'm rooting for them to go all the way. But yeah, absolutely phenomenal play so far by by the Spartans. It was that second round game that had me nervous as number seven Michigan State faced off against number two Marquette. Derek, it seemed like every time Marquette made a push, the Spartans were right there to push back and ended up with an impressive victory again, this time 69-60. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I mean, even even with that game, starting off the game, Michigan State, boom, pulled, pulled ahead by a good, you know, 10 points early on and kind of sustained that. But then Marquette, they ended the half coming all the way back, you know. And so how is Michigan State going to come back out in the second half? They come out strong and boom, jump right out. And then again, as the second half starts, Marquette starts making those runs. But then boom, Michigan State, they turn right around. They hit a couple big threes or take it down, have it have a, you know, a couple key stops on defense, you know, take it the other way and get like an and one or something. So yeah, Michigan State, I mean, they had, they had a great game against Marquette. I was talking to uh, Aunt Brenda because Uncle Don was actually at that game. He was like the third seat behind. Lucky um, Exactly. Had, had a great game that he was at. Um, but, yeah, the Spartans, they played a phenomenal game. And, honestly, if they have if they want any chance to, to get to the Final Four or further, that's exactly the kind of game that they, need, that they need to play. And funny story, I was actually wearing my Michigan State pullover, and I think I sent a picture of it to you just representing that day. Well, I had a Zoom call with some guys, and towards the end of the call, one of them goes, hey, you know you're talking to two U of M grads here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And so they were kind of giving me grief, and they just said, you know, we were hoping that green was, you know, for St. Patty's Day, you know, not for Michigan State. And I was like, you know, kind of sorry to disappoint you. But the one guy spoke up, and he goes, well, truthfully, we can't really say anything because, you know, Michigan's not even good enough to make it to the tournament. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, they lost this past weekend, you know, in the NIT against a really bad team. So, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it was just funny because they're like, man, we had to stare at that, you know, green sweatshirt for an hour or whatever. <laughs> do, do be- play better. So, <laughs> Well, it thrilled my heart to see Duke lose to Tennessee 65-52, especially because some were actually predicting them to make a deep run. My sister-in-law is a huge Blue Devil fan, and I made sure to give her some grief by asking, what happened? I said, you're Dookie's lated Dookie, and I'm sure, as you can guess, that did not go over well. She came back with, too soon. Ben, your thoughts on that game? 
Oh, elated. I mean, I was one of the ones that had him at least in the Sweet 16. I, I They were, I had him losing after the Sweet 16, but no, I was super elated. I can't stand Duke, never could. Uh, coach K, I always loved him. At least he was a great coach, but I mean, just now that he's gone and Shire's there, just not like them. Uh, they'd won, I think, nine or ten in a row, something like that, and just uh, just happy to see Tennessee. Really surprised, but Tennessee winning you know, pretty easily in this game, too, by 13. Yeah, and also with this game, too, like it actually felt good because, I mean, I literally hit this on the head on my bracket. I, I just, <laughs> I know, I wasn't sold on Duke. I mean, that's what I was telling you guys you know, on, the, on the last episode. I, I'm just, I wasn't sold on them this year. They're probably one of the worst Duke teams that I've seen in quite a while. So I had a feeling that they just were not going to make that deep of a run unless they somehow just got lucky. But, um, yeah, it definitely was good to see them lose. Another normal powerhouse that went down was number six, Kentucky, losing to number three, Kansas State, 75-69. In big part to Kentucky's second and third leading scorers, shooting a combined, get this, two for 22 for a total of seven points. Probably even a bigger deal is that Kentucky hasn't appeared in the Sweet 16 since 2019. Extra fun fact for you guys is that for only the fourth time since 1975 when the Sweet 16 was created, do we not have Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, or Kentucky representing in the Sweet 16. That's pretty crazy. That is. Wow. But awesome at the same time, too. But yes. Yeah. Get some well, new, get some fresh like blood in there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, moving over to the Midwest region, many thought Drake might be able to upset Miami in that 5-12 matchup, but Ben, that was not the case. Uh, they blew it, Travis. They had this game, I felt like, in the bag, and then they just blew it at the end. But no, I mean, Miami played played well at the end so you got to give it to him but yeah drake was one of the big upset picks i feel like for a lot of people and it just didn't pull it off i made the comment last week during our predictions that number 11 pit winning that play-in game might give them a little momentum Derek, it seemed to do that as they came out and easily handled number six iowa state yeah that was impressive <clears throat> that was that definitely was impressive yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it just goes to show, again, that this time of the year, if you can get a little bit of momentum, I mean, it can go a long way, and I feel like that definitely played in this game. Number 14, Kennesaw State looked bound and determined to spoil some brackets, dominating number three, Xavier, until Xavier decided to go on a massive run to not only get back in the game late, but then take the lead and hang on for a 72-67 win. Ben, you texted me during the run how good Kennesaw State was playing, and then it was shortly after that where Xavier made their comeback. How do you feel about jinxing the underdogs? I feel elated because I had Xavier in like my final four and that $25 gift card bracket. So like I was super happy because I was sweating bullets already, uh, even though mine's already screwed up. But like, no, I was happy to see them come back. And Xavier's got a good, a good team. Several had number seven Texas A&M moving on, but it was number 10 Penn State smacking them in the mouth, winning 76-59. Derek, were you surprised at how easily the Nittany Lions won this game? Yeah, I was. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, um, first of all, if Penn State was going to win, I thought it was going to be like a, like a close, like back and forth kind of thing. Maybe they'd squeeze it out at the end, but very impressive on, on that performance from Penn State. There wasn't a whole lot of drama from this region in the second round, other than the fact that number five Miami beat number four Indiana. What made this so significant is that a day later, Miami's women's team upset the number one seeded Hoosiers. Yep. Ben, I feel like IU fans are going to be having nightmares of hurricanes for some time. Them and, them and me both, man. I mean, I'm a Florida State fan. I have nightmares about them all the time, so I understand. But no, this is, this is a very good Miami team, and I, I can definitely see them making some noise against Houston. Houston's been struggling, I feel like, in the first half of games. So if Miami can tr- control that and the second half as well, I could see them upsetting Houston as well. 
Moving down to the West region where the best opening game was number six TCU getting a hard-fought win over number 11 Arizona State 72-70. Derek, this one was back and forth. It seemed to be either team's game before TCU snuck it out. Yeah, that was another one I was like, man, it's this is just almost like the greatest bracket March Madness we've ever seen. Just all these upsets unfolding. It was like, oh my word. Um, but obviously TCU was able to come back. So, you know, kudos for them, you know, not, not losing, uh, obviously kind of going on. Uh, obviously it's, you know, stressful situation, but, you know, kudos for them for fighting back and, and capitalizing on some late opportunities. But yeah, that was, uh, I thought Arizona State was going to pull it off, but uh, great job to TCU to pulling it out. Well, TCU followed up that performance with a solid showing in round two, nearly shocking number three Gonzaga before Timmy and the Zags prevailed, earning their eighth straight Sweet 16 appearance. Ben, what did you make of this battle between two good teams? Hats off to TCU for fighting the whole entire way. Um, I'm sure Derek was freaking out about his champion over there, uh, maybe losing to TCU. But no, I, I like I like this uh, Gonzaga team, and like you said, I mean they they just happen to find they they can find the Sweet 16 every single year. I, I do hope Derek is right. I would love to see the Zags um, get the championship this year. I mean they've they've had so many good teams and have come so close. But Drew Timmy, man, that dude is. He's a monster. So, like, it's a good team again. I don't feel like they're as dominant as they have been, but would love to see them beat UCLA and continue on. It was the battle of Kansases between number eight, Arkansas, or Arkansas, and number one, the Kansas Jayhawks, who many saw being the first team to repeat since the Florida Gators did it back in 06, 07. Well, there would be no repeating on the Razorbacks' watch as the number eight seed stunned the Jayhawks 72-71. Derek, there won't be any Rock Chalk Jayhawks celebration at the end of this season. Yeah, thankful for that. Big kudos to Arkansas for uh, for getting the job done. Definitely one of those things where, again, Kansas is just one of those teams where, again, you know, they're a great, they're a great, you know, great school. They're they're always in, you know, in games, always in like like the Final Four and stuff. But it was great to see uh, Arkansas knock them out and uh, send them packing. So loved it, loved every part of it. Well, it's been an exciting tournament so far, and I'm looking forward to the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight rounds. I'll be keeping a close eye on Michigan State and an even closer eye on Princeton and their magical run. Before we go, I told Ben I would share my secret to picking a successful bracket. I just wish I would have had this thought sooner to use this season, but I'll be ready for next year. Disclaimer, though, this may not work every year, but this year's bracket would have been a slam dunk. All right, so here's my secret. Picking the team based on sentimental ties or relationships. By picking the team that, okay, either you like you know somebody that lives there or you've got a friend that lives there or I dated somebody that lived there or my pastor from Florida, he's a big Alabama fan. I watch games with them. My wife is from, you know, a certain state or whatever. Guys, I would have gone, if I would have done this, I would have gone 29-3 and three in the first round. 11 and 5 in the second round and I'd have 520 points on the ESPN bracket challenge and I would be smoking everyone that I'm playing against. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. So So literally All insane right. cuz like I would have picked I would I would have I would have picked Princeton to upset Arizona because of my grandfather, you know, then I would have picked him again to win, so I would have gotten that right and then like I would have gotten other upset stuff like Arkansas. I lived there for a few years, I would have picked them. So just stuff like that, it's crazy. And again, I know it's not going to work every year like that, but 
I'm like, dad, gone it. Why didn't I think about that sooner? <laughs> or like <laughs> even, even just doing one bracket that way, you know, like do another one mm-hmm. more serious, but then just do one based off of friends and family relationships and like good grief. Oh man. Ben, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be walking away with that gift card right now. I was about to say, he would have just handed it to you right now. He just gave it to me, but yeah, so. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Hey, well, one thing I want to I want to run by you guys, kind of see what your thoughts are. I was thinking about this the other day. Obviously, so far this tournament's just been crazy, but like, as I've been honestly thinking about this tournament, and even like within the last five to even maybe 10 years, it's interesting because I almost feel like even though there's a lot of teams out there, like, you know, you have your Purdue's in Kansas, Kentucky, Dukes, like, what are your guys' thoughts? Like, a lot of those schools, they have a lot of people who are like either one and dones or maybe they declare for the NBA, like, you know, after their sophomore year. Do you feel like a lot of those like powerhouse schools, do you feel like they may not necessarily be as head and shoulders above the rest as they used to be because they have, you know, they have such a rotation of players as of, you know, as opposed to some of these other schools that can kind of build year after year and actually have like juniors or seniors who have been there the whole career. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that plays a, a part when it comes to like the March Madness and the bracket, you know, as a whole? I feel like that's Kentucky's problem. Like, I, I feel like that is a hundred percent Kentucky's problem because, and I know you've mentioned more schools than just Kentucky, but like just for, for them as an example, they'll get those top five recruits. And then, like you said, I mean, they're there for one year and they, they're gone and then they just have to just re- refresh again and yeah, they might have a good team, but they're not going to win it all because they can't gel. They, they don't gel like all these other schools that are out there that have, you know, those guys that have been playing together for three to four years. So, I mean, yeah, I would I would think that is an issue that's coming up and that's playing in teams like Kentucky, like Kansas, like Duke, where they have to, you know, retool and do all that. So, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like that's a, a fair point. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, too, because you talk about team chemistry and like continuity. And yeah, if you have, you know, you're just flipping guys over every single year, you're not going to have that. I mean, you'll have some that obviously are there that aren't as good and can't move on to the draft. But man, I mean, if these guys would stick around, I mean, these teams could be dominant, you know, for years. And then you're just building on it. So like you've got that five-star athlete who actually stays all four years or maybe at least three years. and, And then you're adding on top of him. And then by the time he's gone, now you've got those other guys who have worked up you know, and it's just a, it's a domino effect, but you just continue to build, build, build. And I feel like that's credit to uh, Tom Izzo for Michigan State. And he had a record for the longest yeah. time and it got broke a few years ago. But if a guy stayed four years, he made it to the final four, at least one time during his, during yep. his college career. So Izzo, Izzo wow. had, one, had, had a guy every single time, if he stayed freshman wow. to senior, he at least played in one final four, which is a crazy stat. You know, yeah. and what a recruiting tool to be like, hey, you come here, pretty much you're guaranteed to play in a Final Four. I mean, that that's pretty amazing. So, um, yeah, wow. I think props to him for, you know, keeping those guys. And, again, he hasn't had the high-caliber guys like Duke or Kentucky, you know, or even Kansas. But, you know, he's got more of those mid middle-class guys, you know, but they stick around, you know, and then they're solid. And then this is why you've got Michigan State, who many didn't see doing anything this year, and now they're in the Sweet 16. And who knows how far they're going to go. And even if they get knocked out this very next game, the fact they made it to the Sweet 16, I mean, that's a big accomplishment yeah. for them. I mean, like I said, yeah. none of those other big teams, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, they're all sitting at home right now. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, yeah, it, that, was just, that was just a thought that kind of came across my mind this past week of like, man, 
you know, we, we see these turn, you know, these upsets, but at the same point, like it's gotta be tough for some of those schools to just continuously have this rotation of players that you just can't really build on. Cause the crazy thing is like with Duke, like I, I, they need to be juniors or seniors, but can you imagine if Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett were still at Duke, you know, that would just be insane, you know, yeah. but those kind of caliber players, they don't stick around and, and I don't blame them for, for leaving and getting the, you know, getting the money, but it's just, it's just one of those things where I feel like the last decade, it's really kind of come out where you have a lot of those one and dones and things like that. And so I wonder as we continue to progress down the line, are you going to see a lot more of these kind of upsets because, you know, the smaller schools, they are able to build year after year, whereas in these bigger schools, they're not able to. So just, it was just one of those things that came to my mind that was, I thought was interesting. Yeah. And you know, I feel like that gap between one and 16 seeds used to be huge. And mm-hmm. now obviously yep. it's closed, yeah. be, I think in a big part because of this, you know, so the playing field yeah. has leveled more. I still won't say it's like even, but it's definitely leveled off more. And obviously you, now you've got results of 16 seeds beating number ones, 15s beating twos because of that very thing. Yeah. In, re- in reality, we honestly could have had two number ones losing first round because Northern Kentucky gave Houston wow. everything it could, everything it could. And I mean, they, I know they pulled away at the end, but they could have easily lost as well. Mm-hmm. I, I was nervous there for a little bit. Cause I had Houston in one yeah. of my other brackets. I was like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this 2023 March madness round one and two recap here on up your game, a podcast all about sports, Travis, Derek, and Ben signing off.